you could hear like I can hear in my ears when you're talking sometimes. I'm just in the background like <laughs> and then it's like the sound of my vape. And then it goes back to like <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. Uh I was at band practice and because uh, I just um made it uh a month without nicotine and fucking hey. the uh I didn't say anything in band practice. Ben was like, I haven't seen you vaping in a while. And I was like, yeah, I quit nicotine. He was like, word. And Max was like, oh, so that was the other Dan vaping heavy in that one moment in the Matrix episode. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I edit some of them out. <laughs> yeah, right. But not all of them. Yeah, because sometimes I'm talking and you're just like, yeah. And also, I think I think it gives character. I'm about to hit that. This is Dan breaking multiple resolutions at the same time on the no. movie blues podcast no. one being that he doesn't care about anything anymore which he didn't even have 24 hours of that and actually as of recently your your recent tirades on the internet <laughs> i i'm even like in the fucking bushes over so i i think like i think like there's the years where you do the resolutions where it's like i'm for sure gonna do this i've put in the work and then there's the years where yeah, within 24 hours, you're like, and all you can eat lobster buffet I of aggression. All of your fucking devices. Yeah, hit all my devices. Go for hybrid. it. That one's for you. You shaking it up? Is it hybrid? That's hybrid, dog. Your boy does not roll too hard in any direction. Gender okay. neutral. This is the gender neutral podcast starring Dan and Dan, which is now a gender gender neutral name, yeah. from what I've heard. There's just a little girl's named Dan. Is that true? No. <laughs> That'd be fire. That would be fire. I mean, Danielle is a thing. I know. I don't think anybody's like calling <laughs> Danielle's Dan's. We don't. should get it started. We should get it started. You want to bring it back? It has to be here at some point. I, I, I didn't mean it. I, I, I didn't mean it. We out here. We them boys. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season five, episode three of the Movie Blues podcast, Malignant. Is that the best we can do? Malignant. I'm Dan Lyons. Malignant? Uh, what do you want to do anymore with the titles, man? <laughs> Say your fucking name. Uh man. Um, I'm also Dan. Okay, well, we went from last time where you had no name at all, and you said, I will not... I will not be giving my name to now just Dan. So yeah. I'm Dan Lyons. I've always been of the impression that we should just say that you should be like, I'm Dan, and I'm also, and I'll be like, I'm also Dan. Because, A, that's just like a bit that's right there. Yeah, so it's that, a nice Z morning vibe. You must realize how and confusing that is to new listeners. Why? Because they can't differentiate the Dans. The fuck do they need? What do you mean? They need a mental picture. Look, I'm, And that me mental picture needs to have a different name. It won't be that one of them has a, like, 
deep speaking voice and the other one sounds super Jewish depending and that switches depending on yeah, how, okay, see, so you how ju- sick we are. You just fucking derailed your whole operation there. Like we both sound like each other as well. Um, we both had movie themed bar mitzvahs. It's like enough I crossover. feel like the listener base will be all right. Well, if we keep giving everything sevens and eights and keep talking the same, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> it's easier when we're doing movies where it's clear that I'm right and you're wrong. I can't recall any examples of that. <laughs> For, for it to be for it to be better. Um, anyway, welcome to the Movie Blues Podcast. I am the one Dan. Look, listen, like when you listen to a podcast, you, I don't want to say fall in love, but you begin to identify with these characters in your mind. And like, we present characters as well. Like clearly neither of us believes a single thing we've ever said on this podcast. So I am of the opinion that it's it's healthy to have some kind of delineation. Maybe I should be DS and you should be Dan. But then the name of our podcast is the Movie Blues Podcast with Dan ampersand Dan. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know that I needed to start this conversation on mic. Tell us what you think <laughs> in the comments below. Uh, if you think that we should change our names or present last names or maybe have false last names, but still in a way that we can differentiate. I don't think us saying our last names is benefiting to anyone. It's based on our names. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the malignant episode of the Movie Blues Podcast. Emphasis on ignant. Um, <laughs> well, it's just so uh, fluid for you, Dan. Your your humor is just so so natural sometimes. I've been waiting for that one since last night. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> way to show up to the rap battle with <laughs> your your verses pre written. B Rabbit would be fucking pissed at you. Yeah, and then B Rabbit would. Secretly in the back of his head, no, that's what he did as well. <laughs> and Brittany Murphy would be there, being like, "Shit, rabbit." Would she be there? <laughs> I mean, if Harold Ramis can put on um, a, a ghost-busting armor in as a CGI ghost for 25 minutes at the end of that movie and not say a single word, by the way, he they couldn't animate him to speak like Leia from Star Wars. He's literally mum the entire time. His daughter's like, "I've missed you, Dad," and he's like. <laughs> yeah, of course, because um, he's dead. It, so, it didn't even occur to me to watch the new Ghostbusters. Today we're going to be covering one of two James Wan movies for the season, um, I've come to realize. Um, and we're going Oh, to... God, are we up to his Fast and the Furious? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. And, uh, we're, and apparently it's incredible. I just rolled my eyes so hard, I almost vomited. Um, and um, Well... I feel like we shouldn't do two directors or one director twice in the season, so we can probably just skip to the last one. Yeah, we should probably just skip to the to the last one. <laughs> you know what? That's logically sensible. Um, I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like every season I, I come to you and I'm like, okay, another Fast and Furious movie. And this time I'm not even asking for permission. Yeah, and then every, It's just something that's going to happen. And, and every time I'm like, like why are we doing the this? Zone being like, yeah, no, I, I can't physically bring my body to sit through a Marvel movie. And then I think I'm like, <laughs> I watched six Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> I will tell you this with 100% surety. Every Fast and Furious movie is worse than the worst Marvel movie from that series. Um, I had so much more fun at Fast and Furious 4 than I did that Captain America movie that I watched. Well, fun and enjoying cinema are two different things to Martin Scorsese. Anyway, um, James Wan, he's kind of like um, like a Kiwi 
twink early 2000s type i don't know if you've ever seen any interviews with him um <laughs> what, what is kiwi he's like, australian like okay. he's asian and he's very tiny and has like pink hair <laughs> now he's in his like 40s i would assume he still looks like he's 23 years old um interesting director with very random and extremely successful franchises that he has either added to or spawned. The first of which is his directorial debut, Saw. Um, and Not uh, to get you confused with Spiral, also from the book of Saw. Yeah, there's like some Zoomer listening right now that's like, is that related to Spiral? The best movie I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> that, that boomer came from Reddit to, to our podcast for the first time scrolling and it was like, what is the book of Rotini? Exactly. That was him. Um, and um, Saul was a movie that obviously when it came out was a huge cult hit and I would argue has a, one of the greater twist endings of the ter early 2000s uh, horror wave, um, including M. Night Shyamalan and all those guys who were just kind of doubling down on the ending twist thing. I think really Saul had one of the most potent ones and... Um, can't say that it looks very good today to watch that movie. Yeah, but also that twist is fucking weird. Like, it, like it doesn't hold up to scrutiny, really. Like, it's a pretty ridiculous premise. How so? Because, what, fucking, they're not going to be able to tell the dude is alive for fucking two straight hours. Like, however many fucking hours the dude doesn't need to breathe. Like, Well, he was breathing, but, like, arguably, they weren't sitting there grilling his corpse the entire time they were i would say occupied with the task at hand and maybe a person in that level of panic is not going to a assume that the mangled corpse in front of them with like its head half ripped off is actually an alive person whereas you a moviegoer would very much be looking for those things and retroactively um nitpicking them i, I think it, it is not the most plausible twist, but I think it works enough yeah. that also the movie not the even most plausible movies. So no, yeah, exactly. Um, like, why would Danny Glover be a cop? I, isn't he renowned for being a cop? Yeah, so he's just gonna fucking do it, be a cop in a different universe. There are actors who are only allowed to really be cops. I don't know if you know this stigma. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal has become one of them. He didn't start yeah, as one, yeah. But now Jake Gyllenhaal can only be a cop, or or like a, <laughs> like at least a very like incredulous mystery mystery solver. Sure. Um, and um, yeah. So uh, look, I mean, in the sequel to Saw, Donnie Wahlberg is a cop, and like <laughs> it's just like oh God. It's just it's really a, a kind of actor that you need who's career is already on the downward slope i think it is funny to note that that like most actors playing cops are having a bad career right. is that fair to say like bruce willis is now like can only be a cop obviously steven seagal can only be a cop or a soldier at this point in his career yeah if the only role that you can play like dolph lundgren he is always a cop uh more on cops later in this episode for sure i just feel like you should give more respect to our fucking boys in blue all right you listen Fuck off. <laughs> um, James Wan's next film was Dead Silence, uh, about the ventriloquist horror movie from the early 2000s. This was not good. Never seen it. Um, this I went and saw because it was like from the director of Saw. And I was like, dope. And it was not. <laughs> Let's move on from that. Um, the next one I, I'm going to say is my personal favorite movie of his. 
entire filmography, and that's Insidious. Yeah. Um, great horror movie. Yeah, Insidious is great. Uh, another movie kind of retroactively degraded by its sequels, which are not good, but... I feel like we talk so much about, like, the fan base of the Fast and the Furious franchise, and interact with some of them on the rental zone and like i feel like we don't have a demographic representation of people who are genuine fans of the soft film franchise I, i'm not sure if they really exist I mean, to be honest making the movies any person who sits down and watch all the saw movies will conclude that it's not good <laughs> like i don't think there's anyone that made it all the way through jigsaw and spiral and was like i love every single one of these movies but there were people who loved Jigsaw. They, they only made so many of them because it became apparent that it was a economic formula that kept repeating. And if they released a Saw movie consistently every Halloween or what have you, then um, they would continue to make box office. And they did. And the thing about it was it almost was like a short form, form version of doing like a Netflix show where like people were watching each Saw movie and they knew that their brain would only retain the events of the previous movie for 365 days. So they had to deliver like another entry. And that is literally how the series went um, all the way up until Jigsaw, which they took a couple years off. And God, you'd think that they like really thought out where to go next. And they came back and made an, the exact same movie as all the other Saw movies. It was insane. Um, that's why in the spiral episode I gave it a little bit of props because Jigsaw is like the most unoriginal. It's like Rings. I don't know if you had to experience that recent reboot of the Ring series starring what uh, Johnny Galecki from uh, Big Bang Theory. Um, what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's that is a possible Johnny movie. Johnny Galecki as the Naomi Watts character. Yeah, essentially. Well, <laughs> that's a that's a stretch. It's not the same plot. Okay. It's not a reboot of the plot of the Ring. It's like. Like anything these days, Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's a soft reboot. It's like from the Book of the Ring. Yes. (laughs) 100%. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Insidious, great movie. So you're saying I should not watch that. Then he spawned The Conjuring Universe. Yeah. um, Which... Less good than Insidious. Yeah. I've been on the record multiple times saying it's pretty overrated. It's... I'm not going to say it's the Fast and Furious of... um, horror movies at this point but if you think about it it's a pg-13 franchise tentpole where it always needs to come out and there always needs to be a new entry and there's side entries there's like three annabelle movies there's a fucking two the nun movies it's just like who are these people sustaining these movies and why like families that enjoy like pg-13 horror yeah like spooky houses yeah spooky um and um really what's that guy in that first movie is, is that actor patrick wilson patrick wilson i don't care for that guy at all Oh, i think he's great i think he's a great actor but his face concerns me he's got a very handsome face i don't know that i it, it seems just i can't i, I like don't him it seems many distrusting he's good in watchman he's fantastic in aquaman uh, aquaman <laughs> not starring Vinny chase um uh oh is that like they made an aquaman movie huh yeah they did um was that jason momoa yeah and you know who directed it? No. James Wan. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you like that little loop I wow. just did with you there? Um, uh, you just took me on a fucking journey. I know. That, well, it, I'm really kind of digging into all this this morning, thinking about all of it, just because this seemed like a random movie choice, but then like it became apparent that it was very much steeped in NBCEU lore, so I just felt like now, now it all makes sense. Um, right. The next movie he did, um, I mean, we didn't talk too much about the Conjuring series, but I find it very bland. Anyway, uh, thoughts? 
I saw the first Conjuring in theaters and at the time thought it was enjoyable and inoffensive and I haven't seen any of them after that and haven't seen that since then. Hmm. Unmemorable. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, Much unlike Insidious, which fucking rules. Then uh, James Wan was given like the keys to the kingdom because basically after you do the entire Conjuring franchise, you can do whatever the fuck you want. In his opinion, it was time to do a Fast and Furious. So he movie. made all of those movies. Uh, he made one and two. He directed himself. Which, if you watch them, it, it is apparent that those are James Wan movies. Is all it? the other side ones are completely different directors. Different. Okay. Um, and um, he did not direct the third Conjuring. Although I really enjoyed the third Conjuring. It might be the only of the three that I actually think is a decent movie. Which is because he's a weird take. Bad director, Dan. Um, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you, we haven't seen all of his work yet, okay? Because the next two movies are a big deal. First is Fast and Furious 7, which we'll be watching on this podcast somewhere towards the end of this season. If you were to look at a series of data points as a statistical trend, all signs would point to we're not going to love Fast and the Furious 7. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and I don't expect to love it, but what where we're at with that series at this point is just like, if, if one of these movies, we have 7, 8, and 9... And Hobbs and Shaw, which is right in the middle here. Dude, and there's going to be three fucking more of them by the time we get that. We can't do but this Dan, anymore. But Dan. This shit has gotten out of hand. But Dan. Maybe we need to do two per episode. What if one is good? I would love that. Okay, and then, then our audience is going to have this collective sigh of relief. Ah, uh, they finally understand how amazing this series uh, or, is for us. Or none of our audience Lesser has actually seen people. Fast and the Furious 8. And the ones who have we've gotten enough goodwill who have listened to the previous seven fucking entries, <laughs> despite having not seen all of them, are gonna be like, "All right, that's enough." Fast and the Furious thing. We're gonna have Nick Lepretzi watching the listening to the episode talk with him and his I, boys. I, I don't even it. think he's listening to it, but hopefully he is. Hi, Nick. Hey. Listen to the Fast and Furious episode this time. You're the only one left. We're doing the whole podcast for you. Yeah. Um. Then I'm just uh, saying we don't need to watch it. No, no, I know you feel that way, but we're, we're watching it. <laughs> right. um, uh, then we have Aquaman with Jason Momoa, um, which I would say is... So that was his next movie? That seems like a big yeah. timeline jump. No. When, wait, when did Aquaman come out? I didn't even... I don't know, four years ago. Okay. Three years ago at this point. Three years ago. I have it on 4K. So for, was there like a solid like six years where all he was doing was Conjuring movies? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. And making like hundreds yeah, of millions of dollars. all the money. Um... Uh, Fast and Furious 7, uh, we'll see about that. Aquaman, not Vinny Chase Aquaman. Um, so you watched th you watched that? I own that. Bro, what? It's a great movie. What? Yeah, it's, it's a very entertaining superhero movie, and his direction is very apparent in it, especially in the beginning. Is that the DCEU? That is the DCEU, and I was going to say that it might be the only enjoyable movie from the DCEU, but it's still worse than almost every Marvel movie I've ever seen. Great. So I, I think if I were you, I'd just stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> like, in general. That, that being um, Aquaman? Yeah, the bad guy is so you think Patrick Wilson, do you think there's who any you already don't like. of me fucking watching Aquaman? No, but you never know. I mean, you know. Yeah. You're not going to do it. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm not telling you to do it either. I, I feel... Not endorsing it. At, Dan, at one point, you. at one point, dude, all I'm going to say about it is at one point in Atlantis... During a battle, they pan to an octopus who is 
arguably like 150 feet long and like 100 feet tall, like some mythical octopus who's playing a drum set. <laughs> That's not where like I it's like that d- sentence was gonna end. It's, they're fighting and it's just like doom 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 like the detective Pikachu fucking battle. No, like the DJ scene. I'm doing the mask. Oh, okay. Doom 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 and it goes down as a giant octopus. Anyway, um, great. Aquaman. I'm gonna watch it now. Was the last movie that he did before Malignant and Ignant? He when he met with Warner Brothers, they said you. James Kwan can do whatever you want, but you have to do Aquaman. If you make this movie for us and help us get out of the trenches, pun intended, nailed it, then we will let you make any movie for like a hundred million dollars that you want to make. No holds barred. Do whatever you fucking want, and we are not going to stop you. We're not going to change it. We will market it as if it is a horror movie that looks like The Conjuring, which caused a lot of confused day day one watches on the internet, let me tell you. Because people, myself included, saw the trailer for this movie. It says, the new face of horror. So they're doing like the A24 horror thing, where they're branding movies that are definitely not horror movies. Like definitely not like scary movies like they marketed this movie as if it was it was like james wan from the conjuring (laughs) and insidious and didn't say aquaman because i think if they would have put i think if they would have put james wan of dead silence and aquaman and fast and furious 7 i would have been better prepared (laughs) for the movie that i saw um and uh none of the like elements of mayhem and chaos that you see in the movie are in any of the trailers it's very much cut like a conjuring movie trailer and i was like oh okay direct to video james wan horror movie again great like it's gonna be like the conjuring and it's so wild that you just keep watching these movies as, you're, you're like you're like uh another thing that i'm gonna fucking hate like his last three as, Got, gotta watch it friday night as we move forward there's so many movies you can watch instead as we move forward um we will see that this was very different than the conjuring it was definitely not the same kind of movie that they were pitching me for did i like it did i not we'll find out coming up on malignant the review and we didn't do jeopardy and mm. and and did that, you have a jeopardy that's because i do so do it you can do it we don't have to both oh, have one myself time. just to buy myself jeopardy this is or the, you could just talk about stuff this it, is the last it doesn't need to things don't need to be so fucking dan's ruining regimented the bro. here we go God. this is it now if you guys like the jeopardy segment please once again head to the comment section <laughs> Sometime we'll have some shit to say. And, and we'll let do us it. know uh, if you miss uh, the Jeopardy segment, if Dan is ruining the podcast by his free form freewheeling. <laughs> Dan's trying to make things so fucking militaristic around here. I'm trying to do this to have fun. Yeah. So recently I got offended as a Jew for the first time in like 10 years. <laughs> like literally you can say whatever the fuck you want to me about being Jewish. It doesn't affect me. But just so happens that watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, there was a joke in it that actually offended me, which like I didn't see coming. But like Larry David's a bad Jew, first of all, <laughs> like a really bad Jew. So he has this episode where he's seeing a speaker at the Holocaust Museum. Oh, no. And on the way in, he slips on a piece of poop. So it's so bad and it's so all over his shoes that he takes his shoes off and he throws them in the garbage. Then he goes in, he listens to the speaker, and at the end of the speech, 
Oh no, it's raining out. It's pouring rain. It's pouring rain. Dan, he starts looking over his shoulder at the pile of shoes in the Holocaust Museum of people who died, whose shoes they take oh off. Oh my God. And they pile <laughs> in an exhibit. And he takes a pair of them and puts them on and dance, does a singing in the rain song and dances in the rain. <laughs> and I was like, it ended and I was like, Dude, I am fucking offended about that. That wow. was that was really just like, and it was funny, and it goes throughout the rest of the episode. And he gets accused. They figure out that he stole the shoes and like blah blah blah. But like, Larry David is from a generation <laughs> of people where you would never make that joke. Yeah, right. And it is funny. Larry that, David's like one degree removed from like countless people, <laughs> Holocaust survivors. Probably. Sure, exactly. And like back in the 80s, 90s, you could absolutely never make that joke. Like if that joke was on Seinfeld, they would have canceled the show. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know like and what And that it, joke had to make it past a lot of Jews working at the network. Right. And I don't know what it represents. Does it represent that like there's just no tact anymore when it comes to any of these subjects? Does it represent that Larry David has no tact? I mean, that's obviously true, but... That he has no tact and that he's trying to be edgy and trying to be like a younger comedian than he is. And that is expressed through things that are this cringy. But like I cringed out of my fucking body watching it. And that's Jeopardy. I mean, isn't is that? I don't know. The, the premise, you didn't watch it. So like. Yeah, right. I didn't you, watch it. Maybe you found it funny. But like both my wife and I were literally like, like our faces turned white. We were like, no, no. And look, I'm all about a good Holocaust joke. You know me. <laughs> if there's one thing my friends say about 100%. me, ask any of my friends. No, not ask any of my friends, but listen to any episode of this fucking podcast. Ask anyone I've ever met. Season one, my episode one. to make a Holocaust joke. All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's take a pee break, and then we're going to hit our boy Malignant up, all right? Malignant. Okay, so now it's time we talk about Malignant, which... Um, I will be straightforward and say this is the second time that I've seen Malignant. Um, this is Dan's first time. As always, we have the movie Blues Moratorium, yeah. where neither one of us has told the other what we think about this movie. But I will say... <laughs> I, I, I did text you countless times. Dan texted me many times, <laughs> uh, which always is a negative. It's a net <laughs> negative. Like, if he... Text me this many times, even if he's not saying the movie's bad, it's very possible it is. Um, and all the things he said were negative, so. <laughs> <laughs> moratorium in check. Uh, moratorium in check. Dan, what uh, what would you perceive to be my opinion of this movie? Well, I read your review of this movie when the movie came out. That's problematic. So I, I, I would this. I would perceive your Future editor. I would perceive your perception of the movie to be very positive. Okay, so <laughs> I guess let's just get right into it then. Um, in a movie that really depends on the viewer's willingness to forgive the first two thirds in service of the final third, Dan has fallen into that camp in a big way. Not accurate. Okay. Because now I like all three thirds of this movie. Um, okay. I walked into this movie again expecting it to be a horror movie that would spook me out and make me feel like I was watching a Conjuring entry esque um, movie. I didn't even. So this movie was not marketed as uh, Crank 
but a horror movie. No. Okay. And uh, again, watch the trailer. You will see that there is absolutely no inkling that this movie is going to go off any rails. Um, and so I expected this to be That's like really funny. more softcore than Insidious even. I thought this was going to be just like a very basic horror movie. Okay. I thought James Wan was kind of cashing a paycheck. I didn't realize that this was like literally what he would want to do if given complete free reign. Um, <laughs> now, look, they're immediately... There's a lot more similarities to James Wan and James Wu than I've, than I've previously realized. <laughs> um, I, I did, when I was first watching this movie, hate the first hour. I hated it. I, I turned it off and was like, I'm not going to finish this movie i'm done with it i really am done and rachel wasn't there so i didn't have anyone to kind of like make sure that i completed this project i got halfway through it i was like fuck this movie this is terrible um and then um kind of let it marinate for a little bit and i realized what you sent me a text about which is that there was an entire hour left at the point when i threw in the towel um so in my mind, it was like a dare, like, well, what what could this movie possibly do to undo the bad faith scenario that it's put me into? And um, it really gave its all in terms of <laughs> turning that around. But now that I know what I was walking into, I'm able to appreciate all kinds of elements that this movie has. And listening to James Wan talk about it, he basically wanted to do a B movie. That was inherently what his goal was. That's why he hired actors who were no names. Um, this movie had a higher budget than almost any indie horror movie would ever have. Um, where did that money go, you ask? Um, they didn't purposefully spend it to make the movie good. It was not that they wanted it to be a compelling drama of any kind or anything that would like be anything other than an exercise in a homage to giallo cinema to the really insane schlock movies of the 90s like house on haunted hill um but also really go to extreme places places that he said when he was growing up in the 80s he thought horror movies like you have to go to those places um so this was a guy who had made his bread and butter with a pg-13 set of franchises making an R-rated movie again, which I don't think he had done since Saw. Maybe Dead Silence was R. Um, and this movie felt to me like an early 2000s horror movie. It felt very much like the guy who would have created Saw created this movie. Um, so beyond beyond its influences being there um, and obvious now to me, whether it is Giallo cinema, whether it is, you know, body horror, 80s schlock, I just didn't know that that's what I was walking into. And when you walked into it and see that first scene with the mental hospital that literally looks like the hospital from House on Haunted Hill, it's just a, a, a complete shift in tone and bizarreness. The acting is all off. The doctor is all weird with her line delivery. Her assistant is also bizarre in his line delivery. He's like, he's traveling through the radio waves. It was all very... 50s B-era schlock sci-fi horror movie monster vibe. And then, yeah, the, the last third hits for me as hard as it ever did. The lead up and drop of that twist, I think, is fantastic. This is a purposefully made schlock movie on a hundred million plus dollar budget. I don't want to revert to the camp of if you hated this movie, you're wrong because objectively there are elements to it that are half-assed either on purpose 
or he's so disconnected from reality at this point that he's not portraying things in a way that makes any sense. Um, it's a, a nonsensical, farcical horror experience. Um, it's not for everyone. That's for sure. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't praise this movie for the rest of my life when it comes to horror. And I love this movie. Dan, thoughts? And that's your episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I feel like I picked up on the majority of that. My first, one of my first notes is about my initial reaction to, I'd say, the first, let's say, 10, 15 minutes mm -hmm. was that, oh, this is like a real homage to like schlock horror, which like everyone knows. I, I'm not the horror movie fan that you are. Like, I won't sit and watch new horror movies, but I'm a fan of shitty right. schlock horror. Yes. Uh, camp. Right. And I I was like, okay, um, I'm on board. I'm on board with the ride they're taking me on. There's potential for this to be exactly what I would want from this scenario. Mm -hmm. And then the first, like, hour is essentially the same scene happening over and over again hmm. of just spooky person here's a new character that you don't know or you saw briefly mm -hmm. here's the antagonist fucking creeping around the house lights go off there's a radio noise every person in this universe has an am fm tuner mm -hmm. throughout their house <laughs> um and i was just like i don't need to see like okay yes this is a person walking they're brushing their teeth for sure they're now we're gonna watch five minutes of the creepy thing in the background and it's, it's just over and over hmm. and over and fucking over and i like i got to the point where i was like all right this dialogue there's no way that this dialogue and delivery could be this bad and schlocky unintentionally right and i was just sitting there wanting to love that so much because i'm always on board with especially with like all the things i praise the matrix for and i was like i got to the hour point and i was just like that even if the 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 when the motivation and the intentions are pure and in line with what I want, the execution was just exhausting for me to watch. I just was I I hated I hated that first hour. Yeah, and again on my first watch, so did I. So I'm not going to sit here and rail you for hating it, but I am going to try to show you that it's not so bad <laughs> i was just like i was like if this this movie could have been like a tight like hour and 15 oh, and been like yeah. the exact movie i've been looking for for right. a while yeah dude we but that to... 45 minutes destroyed the experience for me so, right. I was, so i was just like is is the conceit worth me having a bad time watching the movie right and like well a lot of people felt that way sure and and for me the for the for me the answer is no i fucking I some of and some of the fucking editing choices were just bananas, yeah. particularly with the score, and hmm. like like there's the one moment where uh, early on my first note of just like uh, she goes she goes she's talking to her sister and she goes I'm adopted, and it just like zooms in on the sister's face and she's like oh! and there's just techno blasting, <laughs> and I was like what the fuck is this movie this. This is nothing. Tonally. They're just throwing fucking shit at the wall. It's right. totally insan insanity, Dan. Yes, I'm aware. And very much enjoy the ping pong of that tone. Um, 
It's just, it, it's it's a vibe that you either can get with or is not going to do One, one note says every single music choice in this movie is absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie has, uh, yes, an alternate version that could have been so good. Like we used to do a segment on this podcast called The Pitch back in season one where we would try to fix the terrible movie that we had seen. The answer was almost always shave 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the answer for almost everything these days. But um, with this movie, yes, there is a very serious version of this movie and a really well-cut, tight version of this movie that I think could have maybe existed um, and been fantastic and, like, thrilling and scary. Um, this just ain't it. Like, this, <laughs> the approach, vibe, sense of humor and general weirdness of this movie is up front. I mean, it, it's inescapable. There isn't a normal feeling scene in the entire movie. No, the first time, the first time that, uh, before we even know Gabriel's name, the first time that um, she's experiencing the whole, like, oh, she's in another person's house. She's seeing what Gabriel's seeing, but she's in two places at once, and Gabriel, like, makes her stick to the floor so she can't move. Right. And she just goes, uh, she goes, out loud. I can't move. What's happening? Mm -hmm. But like in her world, she's just by herself in the fucking room. And I was just like, dude, you can't write this shit on a page and then have no one tell you to improve that. Like there's like a degree of like, there's a degree of making the movie purposely shitty mm -hmm. where I, I like, dude, my favorite fucking horror movie ever is like reanimator. Like I love a movie that's fucking kind of purposely shitty. Mm. Like that's very odd that you didn't like this then. Cause <laughs> this movie's very clearly purposefully shitty. And I, I was laughing both times. I couldn't laugh during the, the first, like, I don't even know what to call the first half. First half of this movie is basically like Gabriel's revenge story where there's fucking five bosses that he needs to fight. But those bosses are just people who are like sleeping in a bed and he yeah. just kills them casually. And then you are watching those boss battles via basically sleep paralysis through another character. Yeah. Um, listen, up front, I want to say to anyone who's listening to this episode that has not seen the movie Malignant, I, I personally think you need to stop listening to this episode because the last third of this movie is a real game-changing moment in terms of the plotting of this movie. And I would, you know, say to someone who hasn't heard this, well, what is it generally about? If you must keep listening, it's basically the story of a woman who is abused uh, by her boyfriend or husband while she's pregnant. She loses the baby. Husband. He dies. Um, and then she starts having basically yeah. night terrors. Yeah, he dies. And sleep paralysis <laughs> where she is witness to a, a rash of very bizarre murders. And it's about her unraveling how she's able to see that, what her connection is to those murders and beyond. But for real, like of all the movies, even this season or in general. This so is far, like if the director of Fast and the Furious 7 took over that plot. It, it, it is literally that. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's no subtlety to be had here. No, this is not. This is a schlock movie. This could have been a trauma movie 25 years ago. There's no attempt at tension. I will say that on rewatch, I did enjoy some of the scary scenes in the beginning before they had showed any of their cards. There were, and this is consistent. They just showed those cards over and over, Dan. There's this is consistent for James Wan at least that in rewatching the first hour of this movie um, and knowing what was happening, I was able to enjoy. Uh, his camera work and his cinematography, cinematography. Um, I think there's a, a large handful of incredible shots in this movie. Um, 
I really enjoy what he does with the completely morbidly unrealistic, goofy horror house that she lives in um, in the first hour of this movie. Um, the dude is just like a master. At, you, mean, like, you mean the house in which she's now been witness to literally countless fucking trauma inducing crimes and just continues to live there with the throwaway line of like i'm not letting them take my home too well my wife said the same there's thing. literally she was a like crack you should... in your bedroom she where your like, fucking you... husband slammed your yeah, skull dude, through it what would be the point of adding that logic into the movie the the threat is clearly has nothing to do with her house right like if she and my wife said the same thing as a first-time viewer she was like why doesn't she just leave i was like a you can't levy logical criticisms at a movie that is not trying to be logical and b um in horror movies no one ever fucking moves everyone always freaks out about it and in this one in particular if she would have moved it would have changed absolutely nothing because it would have followed her it is her spoiler alert um uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I know but that would have that would have created a very compelling situation because right from the beginning you're like you're presented with the situation of like oh is the house haunted or am I watching a haunt haunted house movie and it was not and it feels like the entire purpose of having her stay is to be like oh it's a haunted house movie so to be a misdirect from the fact that it would follow her everywhere i thought that would have been 10 times more compelling if the fucking if she was like okay i'm not gonna go to the house and sleep in the bed where the first thing i see when i wake up is the fucking crack in the wall where my husband slammed my pregnant head through it right but they gave her character reasoning and then i watched my husband become mangled she said i want to stay this is my home and she did say and it didn't make a difference so in a two-hour movie you need them to then hip check everything that happens they had a cool set they shot at that cool set and made it look cool and it had nothing to do with the movie and i will say (laughs) i will say the jumping ahead the moment that bought the most goodwill with me in this whole movie was their smash cutting back and forth between her being interviewed by the police in her house as well as this woman that the antagonist has been held in captive Mm -hmm. uh escape and she falls through she the floor falls through the floor and you discover through the ceiling <laughs> you discover that the house the places are one in the same the place she's been held captive yes. is the attic in my opinion the... kind of what christopher nolan was trying to do with the end of dunkirk with time right where it's like ooh, actually this is happening two hours later and it's here yeah but it actually worked so yeah, fuck that, you, christopher nolan that was a killer moment killer moment yeah. great writing great like and and even at that point that's like probably part of my visceral reaction in this movie is that there was so much to latch onto that like could have been a movie that was exactly what i wanted from a movie there's a movie within here that would be the movie that i simp for harder than anything it's in here it asked way (laughs) too much of me that's a shame bud as a viewer because i think it's pretty much genius top top first hour is fucking torture dan uh, on rewatching it, love the first. And hour. then the moment with, uh, like, once it, then one, I, I texted you just OMG, and that was because of the main police man character mm-hmm. chasing Gabriel, Detective Kukuna, and I was like, "There's still an hour left, and we're seeing the face of the fucking antagonist." Like, okay, that means, and we're just watching that chasing is insane. I, I thought it was pretty great. It was hilarious. Yeah. Anytime you see Gabriel running around it's like a team of contortionists that they had hired um with all these crazy animatronic faces put on the front and back and i watched like the behind the scenes this morning it was impressive that they went to crazy lengths to make practical things happen um and had the money to make practical things happen i mean half the reason there's shit cgi in movies like this is just money right this movie had a ton of money and what it did with it was push it into the craft and 
It wasn't about, for me, the writing, the plausibility, the logicality to it, because all of those things in a movie about a person whose cancerous twin is on the back of their head is not necessary. But like, listen, if if you make it through the first five minutes of this movie and you're somehow expecting that it's going to be like logically sound from there on out, it's not. I mean, it was like a cartoon literally from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and I think that people... Even, even like the abusive husband and, even that, and her oh, dynamic 100%. was ludicrous yeah and on purpose yeah um and I he's, under- like, he's like maybe you should just stop getting pregnant i understand <laughs> that there's a frustration that you're having about it but i don't think that that is about the quality of the product so much as maybe what you or any normal person would expect from the first hour of a horror movie which again when i first watched it i found it very challenging but i'm at a current point in my movie watching career where challenging to me has has re-entered the spectrum whereas i had a good four or five years where i was watching just garbage just true garbage and now i like to watch things that have a bit of that challenge to them like this whole thing with spider-man and the eternals with marvel obviously you're not vested in but is a perfect what is that what is spider-man and the eternals basically like like two movies fucking doo-op group no you're just gonna sound stupid okay okay now let me explain a children's cartoon and sound smart. Okay. <laughs> um, Spider-Man came out this year. Eternals came out this year. Um, Eternals our... is its own property? Yes. Is this a Marvel comic book? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Very famous Marvel comic book that addresses the ancient alien aspects uh, and creationism and utilitarianism aspects of... Um, it's basically like Prometheus, what if Marvel? Um, where it's like aliens created this entire situation right, 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 for right. what reasons and blah, blah, blah. Um, that both, sounds intriguing. Both of those movies came out this year. Is that year. the one I should, the Marvel movie I should dip my toes into again? Spider-Man three made three hundred bajillion dollars and got like a ninety-eight on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it; and I, it was insufferable. It was literally like living inside of a Coca-Cola bottle in terms of originality. Um, and then I saw Eternals, which has a twenty percent. It is the lowest-rated Marvel movie in history uh, from the MCU, and was just enjoying it from end to end um so i i've fallen into this weird spectrum lately i think like part of it midsummer was part of it too where like a couple years ago if i had seen midsummer uh when it came out i would have been like this is fucking terrible but i am mixing my sensibilities i like there to be challenging aspects that i don't need every movie to be solid check marks on cinematography logic character motivation character like and and that's that's specific so not blaming you for not liking this movie but this movie is in my current wheelhouse of like shit that i've never seen before ideas that i would have never considered before and an execution that is as puzzling as it is wildly enjoyable like it's in a weird gray zone where like if my mom called me and was like what horror movie should i watch tonight i'm not gonna say malignant right i would say like the conjuring because you're an old boomer who sucks whereas Malignant is like something that I would be like if Andre was like, what horror movie should I watch tonight? And I was like, Malignant, clearly. Um, not that I'm trying to box you out by com- saying Andre would enjoy this. That's so childish. Andre but did enjoy this, according to his did. mama. Yeah, he did. Um, but I'm saying there's a lot to love here and that you shouldn't get hung up on some of the things you're getting hung up on. I mean, dude, let's not act like... I'm, I'm not trying to act like the logicality of the movie is what is the difference between me liking it or not like horror there i can't I, there's probably not a single horror movie in which the motivations 
and like the logic of the movie tracks besides like the shining sure like that's it, a central thing and when i'm entering a movie like this i i was fucking ready for this movie i sat there i ordered my goddamn special pizza i fucking took a xanax i was chilling don't that i'm prescribed xanax i'm allowed to take a xanax prescription provided in the show notes yeah um i fucking i was like i'm not gonna because a lot of times when i'm home alone which is very rare i'll go to put on a movie and i get kind of like overwhelmed by how loud of a street i live on on like a saturday night sure so like i took a xanax i wanted to avoid the anxiety and existential dread of living in a city i was ready to fucking love this movie and like i'd say 10 minutes into this movie I wouldn't say I loved it, but I was like, I am on this. I, I texted you at one point. I was like, I'm here. I'm fucking chilling. I'm I'm here yeah. for this ride. And then the first, even the first, uh, the first of five of the exact same scene that happened for the first hour, where it's uh, <laughs> the husband dealing with yeah. the antagonist. Mm-hmm. I was like, love this, love this vibe. Hmm. Um, it's not asking anything of me psychologically or mentally. This is just we're just presented with a classic series of horror tropes, and I'm here for it. Um, then the second one happened, which was, I guess, uh, the doctor, mm-hmm. the doctor from the intro scene. Right. And I was like, okay, uh, pacing wise and trope, like trope wise, this is happening in complete identicalness to the first scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, we're establishing a villain. Rule of threes would say, we're mo- <laughs> we're gonna move on again. You're you're already fucking up, but go ahead. Yeah, and then that just kept happening. Yeah, and and. But I did send you one, like, giant I didn't giant feel any lol. of the repetitive nature that you felt from, from that uh, series of scenes. Really? Because I was trying to figure out why I was seeing them. I found it I was absolutely enjoying, unbelievable. And I was enjoying the visual fuckery that they were doing with those scenes so much that I not once, in even the negative first hour watch of the first time I watched it, thought I'm tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. Really? Because each time they kind of revealed a more about Gabriel as an entity because in the first one with the husband, Gabriel's a shadow. You don't see him at all in the second one. Like Gabriel finds his weapon. He starts like crafting his like iconic look, which this is like straight out of Giallo horror. This is pure Italian horror cinema where said bad guy is going on kill after kill in various different colored, brightly lit, hued, red, hued, purple, hued scenes. Um, said killer has either leather gloves or a leather jacket. Um, said killer typically finds a weapon and fancies it or uh, creates something out of something strange. And then a series of stabbings in highly stylized environments happen. And that's what Giallo is. And this is him doing that kind of plotting in a major American $100 million uh, studio movie from the same company that made Space Jam 2. So I, don't get me wrong. I'm surprised that I didn't latch on to something so heavily steeped in Italian culture. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. You know what? I should have thought of that ahead of time. You're right. You're not you're not fallible to to those references. So that doesn't count. It, no, it this too. dude, this like it. This movie had characters speaking in pixies lyrics like there was right which you should love i did i did love (laughs) the first time i heard the fucking the theme and i was like is this where is my mind and i was like 
what a strange reimagining of this song, but I'm here for it. And then the next scene, they're just speaking in Pixies lyrics. I was mm-hmm. like, this movie is going to be the greatest movie I ever saw. Mm-hmm. And then when it ended and I didn't love it, mm-hmm. especially like, dude, that fucking climax scene in the police station, like... Uh, we're going to get there. Don't, um, I, don't, don't worry. Yeah, I, I We'll just, talk about that. I literally have a note here. I was like, I think maybe I don't like horror movies anymore. Because I was just like... I haven't seen a scene like that in a horror movie in a decade. It was... Uh, maybe you don't like horror movies anymore. If you could find another horror movie made in the last 10 years with the kinetic energy of that scene, I would love to watch it. There And, dude, there were moments where I was like... There's a part of my brain that I'm feeling like the reason I'm pushing back on this so much bec- is because of like my disgust with like Fast and the Furious movies and like what like what is that how and, is that that cannot be how you do critique and, and like that's uh, ridiculous like uh, the latter Saw movies a lot Dude, of it felt- John Singleton directed a fa- Fast and Furious movie okay though. but a lot of this what? movie felt to me like latter Saw movies. Okay. In terms, sure. in terms of like those movies, and by the, the way, and have the camera work. Like, yeah, it had an early two thousands feel again on purpose. This is a director who made The Conjuring one and two. Which yeah, have but I don't feel no nostalgia for like of the worst shit. fucking horror movies I've ever seen. Why not? We love those movies. I like. I don't love the Saw movies. Not the Saw movies, but, but that's like, what I'm talking about. That's the way, dude. Saw three with like is like probably the most egregious with how shitty the camera work is, and this movie felt like that in numerous times. I love the camera work in this movie. It was, uh, it was gorgeous. Uh, it was fantastic, and I've in watching the behind the scenes as well. Some of the camera rigs that they built for like the overhead tracking shot of her walking through her house, or um, the scene at the end in the police station where Malignant is doing, like, karate on 100 police officers. Again, a movie with a police massacre that you've somehow figured out how not to enjoy. Um, and uh, during that scene, that is a dude in a full track, motion track suit, right? Doing all that stab karate. Malignant isn't even there. Uh, they skinned His that... name is Gabriel. Say his name. They skinned Malignant. Gabriel with... Erasure. They skinned Gabe with his like body and hair and both of its faces uh, on top of a dude while a camera that was connected to a robotically controlled arm whipped around, did the same movement, and they did the same karate execution with every single person in the scene separately and then melded it together. Like, it was... There was a lot going on in this movie. It was yeah. shot... Dude, dip- I'm such a simp for practical effects. Like, this is what I'm this saying. This movie like, was... For- that's some of the best practical I, effects I've I, ever seen. I agree. I, that's what I'm saying. Do you know how? What, what do you not like about? Do you know this how movie? much of a bad time I had to have during so much of this movie for me? Oh my god! To man. dislike a movie that had so many things that are right up my fucking alley. Dude, the, there's the old female black cop who's like 70, and at one point. Oh, you mean not Wanda Sykes? <laughs> yeah. One of her lines was just uh, those lying cock knockers. She was. In the, in the behind the scenes, I will say that this is one of the negatives I've discovered in watching the movie. In the behind the scenes, James Wan was talking about the script and stuff, and he was like, we wanted to have the cops there for comic relief. LOL. Extra LOL on top of this podcast. Right. Um, but I didn't enjoy that. That was like an aspect that didn't work. Like, not Wanda Sykes and not James Wan, honestly. Kakoa, who looks exactly like James Wan. I don't know what he was doing with that, but... That shows more restraint than M. Night Shyamalan. But um, <laughs> um, 
those characters, uh, yeah, were forgettable. Um, and I, I feel like I every can't... character was forgettable besides the female lead. Her sister looked yeah. like fucking the most bootleg Reese Witherspoon. They literally were like, probably You're not Wanda Sykes. In my notes, I refer to her as not Reese Witherspoon throughout this entire thing. Why not Reese Witherspoon? Oh, the Her sister? sister? Yeah. The sister, like, I feel like they were like, we need to go to Lifetime's casting agency. Yeah. And find a, a bad actress and just put her in this movie. But, I would even argue. Dude, this movie didn't have to make that choice. That's what I'm saying. With a movie that has such fucking good well, messaging to be made, if they had just put some fucking not torturous fucking scenes in the first hour, no. it could have gone such a long way. I don't you don't have so. to just punish the viewer with trash I for think an hour that, I think to make that a the, payoff. It kept it consistent. And that they could have absolutely had Patrick Wilson be in this movie. Yeah, and that, they, that's true. They could have absolutely had Naomi Watts be her sister. Also, also huge, huge shout out to in the very first scene. The first scene, we're, we're get, we get a classic cold open where... We're going to get, like... The cold open of this movie is absolutely wild, first of all. Loved it. (laughs) And there's, like, this nurse that walks... Insane. I've never had this moment where, like, an extra in a scene. I'm like, I know that actress. Right. And this was, like, the the nursing assistant, like, just walks by and, like, hands the doctor, like, a glass of water. And I was like, is that Martha from fucking Arrested Development? And sure enough, it was. And by Martha from Arrested Development, Dan means uh, Anaxana Moon from... Um, the Mummy, 1999, starring Brendan Fraser, and also 2001's The Mummy Returns, also starring Brendan Fraser. Really? And The Rock. She's in this movie for one second. There are actually two actresses in this movie who have been in separate Mummy movies, but let's not get into that. That's in the things that are in my head that I wish could be replaced with, like, tax knowledge or being an adult. <laughs> I have a note that says, the only conceivable way that Dan could have assumed I would like this movie is because of the police massacre scene. I from, never once thought of that. From here no. on out, this from here on out, this discrepancy shall be referred to as the spiral paradox. Yeah, like you're you're really doubling back on your character from this podcast that you <laughs> created. Um, all right, listen. Book of Henry was about the ride along the way. I'm gonna fucking kill you for that <laughs> Book of Henry shit because because listen, a lot of this is part of that because like, dude. You made such a fucking big deal in that episode. I should go back, honestly, to that episode and get quotes and literally, like, paste them right now in the podcast. But you in that episode were like, literally, I don't care what the situation is. Kill him and grill him. And it's an eight minimum on the GGR <laughs> That's scale. That's not what I was saying. Kill him and grill him is in quotes Dan ended. I was I'll saying, find it. I was saying. I'm not going to be able to find that. I was I mean, saying about the fucking the balls to have a tonal shift like that in a film of that nature. Like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Let it be the first one this season, but But you can go get fucked. I mean, I can see, like, in the horror realm, how this is a similar situation where you're saying that this was marketed as, like, from the director of The Conjuring. Yeah, a new vision in terror. Yeah, right, right. It's set on the trailer. Welcome to the lodge. Yeah. Yeah, and then... uh, this is kind of like uh, the book of Henry marketing. I'll be like, come see a heartwarming tale about an autistic child. Well, Dan, all of this is getting me psyched up for our next couple episodes because we are going into the actual fucking garbage bin. Dude, Gabriel said cancer. <laughs> I've never heard the word cancer more in my life. Cancer. Um, there are five consecutive scenes where it's that's part of the pattern that I'm complaining about the first hour is like spooky lights going out. Um 
a t- everyone has TVs that are susceptible to static mm-hmm. and AM FM tuners in every room. Things get kind of spooky for a second, and then Gabriel calls someone and goes, The cancer is getting ripped out. Van Enden nitpicking a masterpiece over AM FM radio. A masterpiece, Dan? <laughs> really? A masterpiece is this movie. <laughs> A schlock masterpiece. You don't think this movie could have done for it with some restraint? Oh my god, I could have changed so many things about this movie, but then it wouldn't have been my, you know, it wouldn't have been James Wong. How many times can players interact with a fucking literal demon before deciding maybe they shouldn't hang out alone in the house that it keeps happening in? Again, it had nothing to do with the house. Same exact argument. I know, but she could try. That's not a valid She keeps being surprised. <laughs> she keeps being surprised that the same demon keeps showing up. I'm sorry you uh, were spending this movie acting like um, the dude from Scream who like is in horror class, but like doesn't matter. Like ultimately, the, the none hour, of those complaints are. are... The, the first hour, we jump around to five different characters, none of which we know. Right, just, and we're supposed to give a shit that it's a mystery, Dan. We, Haven't we, you ever had a mystery? We're presented with an old white man that we've never seen before, laying in bed, waking up to a fucking spooky fucking thing landing on him and stabbing him repeatedly in the chest, which admittedly is hilarious. Great scene. But I'm like, okay, so I was like, all right, is the premise here that I'm going to be presented with a series of vignettes in which strangers are murdered? Because, like, <laughs> that's fine, but, like, I need to know if that's what I'm watching wow. going in. Dan Andon hung up on the first hour, y'all. Uh, yeah, the first um, hour was really, 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 really bad. Let's get to what makes this movie really, 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 really good, which is the last third of this movie, which uh, Dan and probably hated as well. But um, at this point, uh, untrue. If, if you haven't seen this movie, this, again, is the point at which you need to do that before you listen to this, Dennis. <laughs> um, so... At the end of this movie, uh, there's a double twist. I would say unveiled. The first a part. Double twist. The first part of that twist. The scotch they, is so good, dude. I know it's really good. Which which scotch? Is this it? is the 15 year. The Great. 21 is obviously really good too, yeah. but it's 11:30 in the morning, so I thought I would yeah. keep, keep it a couple. Yeah, couple the, years the, more casual. The less the years, the more reasonable it is to drink in the morning. Oh, wait. I I think you mean that we're actually drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, escapes. new the scotch happiness. edition <laughs> new scotch flavored seagram's escape seagram's escapes <laughs> is like half the reason i've been on such a strict diet um <laughs> yeah, we had 70 episodes of seagram's escapes <laughs> that's 70 seagram's you drank um i would drink a seagram's escape and go home and go on the scale and i would have gained a pound it happens well we would also eat like an entire primo's hoagie Uh, the twist of this movie. Dan. Yes. Did you predict the twist of this film? Like, at what point? Like, as it was happening. Like, like at all? When they revealed, A, that Madison as a child had a full-grown creature on her back with pterodactyl arms. Did I predict that <laughs> no. and the degree to which it would be shown? No, no. <laughs> at, at, no. No. Did I did I have inklings that were in uh, we're talking about like a fucking parasitic twin situation? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Me too. Right. Yeah. My, my initial first first watch, I thought maybe she's involved at some level. Did not realize that all of those sleep paralysis moments of her frozen watching random murders 
were her experiencing all of them because she was the one doing them, which in a film in which that twist has been done before. By, by the right? way, the way she's able to do them is that she <coughs> repeatedly breaks her own arms so that she can walk backwards, and then when she becomes Madison again, she unbreaks her arms. There are a lot of medical fallacies <laughs> baked into this twist. I'm not here to say that that is not true. In fact, there are so many, so many plot holes in and around um, this twist, but... Like the mom character who but, comes in 40 minutes earlier just to have a fucking box full of home movies that explain everything. Since not everything, the rest of the daughter had to go back to the original mental hospital in which she walked in the first hallway. And it cuts and her and she's being like, box was right in front you of her. You always made fun of me for never throwing out nothing. I always knew it would be relevant to have these spooky movies. <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Would you rather a scene where she's Googling it? That's what every horror movie does these days. Is it? Every single horror movie. Every single mainstream horror Is movie. Is them like looking up? Yep. Yeah. Just sitting on a I computer, sitting a on a phone. This movie didn't have a single Would I have rather had that? Yeah, it's the, it's the same. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, the twist of the movie being that her parasitic twin is kind of pushed into the back of her skull. And yeah, then... that shit was that shit was funny. That was a... It's pure schlock. Yeah. This is pure schlock. <laughs> yeah, no, like... that that I was on board. Yeah. That we're we're entering reanimator territory. Right. Every time she goes out and does these killings, the creature emerges from her skull, which had been split by her husband in the initial confrontation that we saw between the two characters. Uh, since that moment, Gabriel. The movie's has a metaphor for PTSD, guys. Also, that we haven't even gotten there yet, but yeah, there's some allegory in in and inside this movie. <laughs> Um, but it's not overly heavily hand. Like I don't think it was like beating you no, with no, it at no, any no, point. No. It was pretty. It was pretty tastefully done. Um, in a movie of no taste. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you are shown uh, via VHS, my favorite medium, that um, Madison has had this creature pushed into her skull. You're also watching Madison in a drunk tank with like twenty of like Hollywood's most famous stunt people for some reason the the girl with the mullet who initially uh goes after her is like famously the same stunt actress who played the bride in both kill bill movies really who quentin has put into movies uh, she's the stunt coordinator character in once upon a time in hollywood i'm pretty sure don't quote me on that but she also has acted now what, herself what a, what in many strange, movies what a scene full of strange caricatures of people right it was like a 70s like black like Afro, Disco, like Afro. live and let die, yeah. like any character in Live and Let Die. And, and at that movie, the at that point in the movie, it just becomes pure schlock. And Gabriel yeah. emerges, from and the that back was of the her moment head. where I was on board. From yeah. there on out, I was on board with this movie. I would argue that that moment, for me, on my first watch, when I also was like you and hating that first hour, was really prolific. Where I was just like, oh my god, like. To slip these twists by me at this point in a movie that had convinced me of its stupidity so many times over, that has to be given some level of kudos. Because, like, whether or not that first hour is terrible, arguable, I did not enjoy it the first time because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Having that relief and being able to enjoy it, enjoy it like, that's fine, but... Yeah, I mean, once that twist hit, the first time I watched it, it was like pure octane to my brain. And I was like, you got two twists by me. One that 
um, we've seen a million times in horror movies, which is, oh, it's her the whole time. Like, that's just her seeing her murders. The fact that that didn't enter my mind throughout the rest of the movie as a possibility, I have to give credit for that. Like, I, I don't get hoodwinked easily yeah. by horror. How, how did How did that not occur to you throughout the movie? What, that she was the one doing it? It occurred to me, but they're throwing so many other things at you. Like, they're literally showing her doing things in her house and then Gabriel being chased by Kakoa. Right. Um, so they they lie to you, but they do it in a way that is logically sound because they later explain that she's kind of trapped in her own mind during these episodes. Yeah. Um, See, during those moments where I was thinking that, I was like... Of course it entered my I, mind. I, I had but... the moments where I was like, oh, well, that's physically impossible because she's here. And I was like, okay, well, this movie has been operating in bad faith literally from Jump Street, so there's yes. no reason for me to assume that that matters. Classic bad faith movie. It's probably why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite argument style. Totally valid. Yeah, yeah. I agree that that's your argument style. Um, and... Um, yeah, I mean, the twist, I, I really think it it elevates this movie from schlock to, like, masterpiece isn't the right word because that's just ludicrous when you're talking about this movie, but, like, into something special, into something extremely memorable that, like, as we go forward, and we're going to do, like, a listing of our favorite movie twists in a little bit, but, like, going forward, the movies on that list, some of them aren't even particularly good movies. Agreed. And, and there's something about getting one up on me that at this age, with this level of my critical brain for film, that I really appreciated. And this twist is for sure super potent. And, like, my wife, who's not a horror movie fan. Uh, hold on. I have a note that says, countdown till Dan describes the twist of this movie as potent. Nice. Yeah. How long did it take me? It took me, like, an hour and a yeah. half. Wow. It was so potent, though. Like, <laughs> like, like when it happens, it I, I know that you felt the same way, where your endorphins are kicked up, and you're just like, this is fucking nuts. I, I, I did feel that, but I also felt a sense of remorse for how much good, like, bad will it needed to make up for it. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, I was like, dude. This I'll is, agree. I, mean, I was yeah, like, this is right. killer, but like. I'm operating from a deficit at the moment because I've just spent an hour so fucking bored. Right. I hear you. Just bored. And Me like, too. you know, I'm like some of the movies I've recommended on this podcast, like I recognize that like I'm someone who will sit and, <laughs> and watch a boring movie. Watch like eight Criterion movies in a <laughs> row that I've never heard of. Right. Knowing that six of them are gonna be boring as shit, but like two of them are gonna bake my noodle for a while. Right. But like this first hour really just fucking i i i really made like a commitment to not scroll my phone during the movie uh-huh. and i hated that i had made that commitment. <laughs> and i was just like right. i was like there's a way to do the like we're gonna do a slow burn like i saw someone one of my good friends on the rental zone described the first hour of this movie as a slow burn right. i didn't see that as a slow burn at all it was just a totally different movie that happened to be terrible now that i rewatched the movie i would agree with that take because they're setting up both aspects of the twist the entire time and they hold you keep it saying two aspects what's the second aspect of the just they're just the twist is is more than just she's gabriel the twist is she's gabriel gabriel was originally this horrifying creature that had pterodactyl arms on her back that in and of yeah. itself the imagery dan yeah that, of the first time that you yeah, fucking when they, see that when thing, they do the pull around that was killer potent 
Yeah. As fuck. That was the moment that made the reanimator loving part of my brain go apeshit. But like I wanted to feel that while not feeling remorse about what I had just experienced for the past hour. All right, hour, enough about the first hour. Dude, the second part of the twist that I'm trying to explain, okay. and you keep like that you want to hear it or not, is that <laughs> she is not only is Gabriel this... mentally, but Gabriel bursts out of the back of her skull, possesses her body to walk backwards, and has done every single one of these crimes like in and of her house. Like even when the woman falls through the ceiling in her house, you don't think like that's because. Like she is Gabriel, so of course it's in her yeah, house. She said, "You think Gabriel hid the woman there?" Exactly, and yeah. the way they pitch Gabriel as a character makes you think. Like they even show you a scene where Gabriel calls Kakoa in front of Madison, which now on rewatch is literally like the parasitic creature on the back of her head is making a phone call to the cop sitting next to her, yeah. and like they do that scene, so you also, think that why, these are two why, separate entities. Is it explained why Gabriel can control electricity? No. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. And that's just schlock. He's <laughs> yeah. just like an electricity monster. Like, And the first time I watched it, I was like, but what about all that shit? And you know what? Ultimately, what about any of the shit that's in this movie? Um, it's about building up a really effective, super schlock twist that for me, like as somebody who loves body horror, schlock trauma movies, hobo with a shotgun, like shit where it's just like disgusting, horrifying nonsense. But those the things... reveals of this creature being on her back, I mean, they're so strong. Like Dude, I love trauma movies. It makes the rest movies. of the movie sing. I love trauma movies. I'll ship Reanimator forever. Maybe you should rewatch. I, I've shown Reanimator to countless people who look at me like I'm a fucking like a bad person for being a fan of that movie. But I'm just like those movies let you know what they are and you know what you're getting so yourselves into like oh this didn't from the first five minutes it got me mentally prepared for a totally like an actual bad horror movie so then for it to t turn around and have all these fucking redeeming things happen in the back end it didn't need to torture me for an hour and 20 minutes first like it didn't i guess so there's no reason for it to be there's just no reason for it to have been two hours like i'd agree with that it's, but I, again, wild. that's my criticism of ninety-five percent. I know, movies. but this is this is making me rethink my that me using that as like a regular criticism because this one it's not it was, a great criticism. This one was basically like we're gonna make the first hour as terrible as possible so that the twist is more potent. Yeah, maybe, and that the vibe changes. I, so I would argue that he didn't think that the first hour was more terrible than the second. Yeah, so then that's bad filmmaking. I would have agreed the first time I saw this movie, the second time, and I think the filmmaking in the first hour is exceptionally strong. Okay, so what's your score for this movie? 8.5. Oh, Dan's pulling his gun out. All right. <laughs> So you oh, would... He's going to do a little comparison here. All right. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Wait, hold on. Give me a second. Let me just look at all my boards. Hold on. Okay. Before I commit this. Because I do realize that this is extremely high. Did I say I said that this was better than Tenet? Jesus. That's a, that's unacceptable, actually. I'm going to go with an eight. I need to be a little more tempered about this because, listen, 80% of it worked. I would. So you think this uh, movie was exactly as good as Dr. Sleep? I'll put it... Uh, it's as memorable to me. I don't think Dr. Sleep is like this holy document or anything. That okay. movie's pretty schlocky at points and is very enjoyable and well-made. But I think this movie had a absolute voice to it and was the work of somebody who I would consider an auteur. And that this movie reinforces that for me. Okay. 
Good. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm going to go with an eight. Dan, what is your Golden Gun rating score for um, Malignant? Let's see. Let's see. Zero reason for this movie to be two hours. The entire first hour is the same scene repeating ad nauseum. The last 25 minutes was an that absolute... criticism, ad nauseum. The last 25 minutes was an sil- absolutely silly blast, but the first half was a true chore and genuinely painful to get through. Did I necessarily enjoy this movie? No. But am I glad that I've seen it? Also, no. <laughs> 6.5 out of 10. All right. <laughs> The last half hour fucking ruled. It ruled. But I don't need a movie to be terrible for an hour to get me to a good part of the movie. That was horrible, Dan. That first hour was the worst. Like Spiral spiral levels of horrible. Oh, this was just so much better filmmaking than Spiral. That's such a shit take. It was the same. That's a literal shit take. It was bad. I would challenge you to rewatch this movie at a point and say that again. Say it to my face. Fire was pretty. The cancer. <laughs> Dan, do you have a sample? It was a movie called Malignant. Of course, they said cancer a lot. Constantly. Christ's sakes. Really, what it comes down to, you, by you, the way, is that this, like, the most ominous, fucking weird, creepy walking antagonist for this horror movie is just upset that his mom gave him up for adoption. You just, like, don't like horror. I'm just going to say this up front. I'm sick of this at this point because, like, I've shown you. Some fantastic horror movies that you just straight up do not like. And yeah. I think that you are disconnected from the horror genre for whatever reason. And and if you were to watch mainstream horror, which is god-awful at, at most of the time, I don't know what you would think of that compared to something like this. But I, I'm not saying you don't get it. I'm saying it's just not for you. I, I Because like things like The Lodge, think, you know, th- these were things that I thought were like great like midsummer that the horror community really embraces this movie is being hugely loud as a a cult i gave the lodge the same score as you i'm just saying like did you enjoy it though i gave it a seven it's fair but like you just you're having these super like tempered disconnected takes about horror movies black coat's daughter black coat's daughter was bad it was just boring yeah I struggle with a lot of modern horror movies. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know why boring. Fa- you watch all these fucking Criterion movies, sure th- and then all of a sudden, anytime you watch a horror movie, it needs to be blowing your dick for two, like two hours straight. Like sometimes they build things up. I would agree. This is a slow burn. But I want to feel terror while I'm watching them. And this was not clearly they're, not they're, a movie made mo- for terror. I want to either feel terror or I want to be laughing at the fucking amazing body horror, which this movie gave me at the end. Right, but, but the, it made in the more, first half, it made all that it more, happened by holding it. It made it more potent. It just made it, there was a creepy dude stabbing people. How many movies do we need of creepy dudes staring people? We could have fucking established with two kills that this dude stabs people. Right, but they did such creative things with each one of them. I don't agree with that part. And revealed more about the antagonist with each one of them. Yeah, I mean, I, if you recall, I'm pretty sure the first note I read was that maybe I don't like horror movies anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go with that being <laughs> why you gave this a 6.5. The Ring, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for The Ring. So this is also what you gave Midsommar, a 6.5. How do you feel about that being comparative? Oh, uh, I liked Midsommar more than this. Uh, Dan Enden gave The Haunting of Bly Manor a 6.5. Mm, interesting. Also horror. Hmm. 
I like Midsommar. I love having these scores in yeah. front of me now. I like I liked Midsommar substantially more than this. Okay, now I'll give you credit here. You did a good one here. Wait, wait. Spiral, hold on, the hold book on. of Saw, wait. you gave a 5.9. So this is better than that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That yeah. tracks. That's Dude, a good one. The third act is great enough that... The entirety of the 6.5 is just the last 20, <laughs> 28 minutes of the movie. The rest of it I hated, but that Dan. last half hour I loved. Dan. Bly Manor. Dan. You gave the I think fin- Bly Manor was better than this. You gave them You thought that Bly Manor was better than this. It was more I I get fucked. I enjoyed <laughs> thinking about trying to figure out what was going on Bl- more than I did in this movie. Bly Manor in terms of repetition, literally like the most repetitive show i've ever seen in my fucking life could have had four hours shaved off of it you thought was better than this yeah because i thought the twist at the end was really potent (laughs) you serious oh man what was the last one you said uh spiral from the book of saw yeah that was spot on but you gave the fanatic with john travolta 6.4 how do you feel about that that being 0.1 less than this does that track? Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> that I, I was going to say, I feel like it does. Honestly, I, I I had a better time watching The Fanatic than I did this, probably. Oh. Oh, my God. Because that, mo- that movie I was able to laugh at the whole time, whereas this was just frustrating to me for an hour, and then, like, font, like had promise for a half hour, and then a half hour fucking ruled. If they if they had made even a little bit Man. of the first hour rule, I would have been in really good shape. All right. Well, if I hear any more about the first hour of this movie, I'm going to shoot myself, and that is why we're going to move on. Hold to on, our... hold on. I gave Crawl a seven. Jesus Christ. That yeah, that makes sense. You're the horror expert. <laughs> I don't claim to be a horror expert. Yeah, I think I liked Crawl more than this movie. Yeah, you did. You really enjoyed that. So, Although I've gone so to, forgettable, I've gone to rewatch it numerous times and I've what? gotten like five minutes into it each time and I've been like, "This movie's terrible." Yeah, it's very bad. But okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Dan, you ready to move on to our next segment? Uh, no, I got to take a leak. Okay, cool. Okay, so um, I tried to look up trivia for this movie. There was not a lot. Okay, the only two things that stood out to me was Stephen King uh, praised this movie on Twitter, writing that he watched it on HBO and thought it was absolutely brilliant. Nicolas Cage is a big fan of the movie, calling it, quote, an inspiration and his favorite horror movie of the year, which I think are funny, funny sentiments. Nicolas Cage, star star of tons of recent terrible horror movies that people seem to think are great. Um, Color Out of Space is fantastic. Don't know what you're referring to. Mandy, I actually found underwhelming, but yeah, I'm uh, referring to Mandy. I will be roasted alive for that opinion. Yeah, no, I'm referring to Mandy. Mandy. <laughs> yeah, is, I thought Mandy was just it's middle just fine. Of the yeah, it was also the exact same plot as Drive Angry 3D. I don't know if I've raised this before, but like the plot of both of those movies that both star Nicolas Cage is exactly the same, just the tone is slightly yeah, different. Yeah, right. Um, really bizarre, actually. Um, anyway, um. In terms of notes that I had left over, not not really many. Um, uh, I did like the scene in which very early on, the first time the sister shows up, she's dressed like a princess, and she just shows up at her sister's hospital room after she's had a miscarriage, and like looks at a character and just says, "Sorry, I'm a princess at Family Planet." Yeah, right. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this fucking movie?" Very bizarre character. Very yeah. very bizarre attempts to like 
try to set a groundwork with like a very weighty emotional depth with the whole like pregnancy and miscarriage issue only to just like follow it with mm. the schlockiest of schlock um like that's that scene where she finds out that like where she wakes up from her attacking in the hospital and it's mm-hmm. like where's like then discover she's not pregnant anymore like I was like, oh, this is like a performance. This is a movie like, no, who no. could have seen a horror movie about <laughs> grief coming? It was not. And then it was not. It was forgotten instantly. But yet they gave more weight to like her telling her sister that she was adopted than like her having a miscarriage. That, dude, that fucking one shot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. she tell, and it just zooms at her sister's face while techno is blasting. And she's like, I'm adopted. And it's like. And she's like, literally like. <laughs> it's so bizarre um great origin great early foreboding line in the movie when she starts to s- initially start freaking out uh she goes it's all in my head it's all in my head there's no one there and it's like girl it literally is all in your head yeah it is stuffed into your skull in your brain <laughs> shout out to the uh seminal 2004 eve six album it's all in your head um no um <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed the moment when after for the first third of the movie, you don't think that like the character of Maddie knows much about her past, but like she starts talking to Gabriel and Gabriel's like, bitch, you know who I am. (laughs) And he, and she's like, no, no. He's like, come on, go ahead and say it. And she's like, (laughs) and she's like, (laughs) and she's like, Gabriel, no. And then, like, grabs her mouth because she's shocked that she knows his name. Yeah, right. Potent acting in that scene. Uh, Yeah. I really enjoyed that moment. And she's like, they try to, like, red herring foreshadow early on by her being like, I don't remember remember anything before I was eight years old. And I'm like, okay, so she had trauma before she was eight years old. And then her mom's like, here's a video from when you're 13 having a conversation on a telephone with a person named Gabriel. (laughs) You and the tapes. So (laughs) hung up with the tapes. Um... Uh, another moment that I really appreciated. In fact, it was the biggest laugh I think I had in any moment from last year, period. And still rewatching it, the biggest laugh, like, imaginable that you could have while watching a movie. After Gabriel, like, slaughters 30 police officers, (laughs) slaughters 30 police officers, uh, Kakoa and not Wanda Sykes go running out of the room. And Gabriel picks up a chair. Like they stop. They they yeah. the score halts yes. at this point this for comedic effect. For sure, in like the Guinness this is probably the Guinness World Records of funniest. Favorite. Yeah, movies. this is probably my single favorite moment. In the funniest movie. movie moments for me. This would be in the top ten. <laughs> and Gabriel just throws like a, a very heavy wooden, like probably has gears in it, like rotating office chair. 30 plus feet yeah. across the room and blasts both of these cops with it. Yeah. And there's just something about the comedic just moment of and that. And the trajectory of it is hilarious. It's just, it, it's so wild. Like yeah. the chair it, explodes. <laughs> it does. It does literally explode on them. And, and it's just such the comedic beat of it. After you see this insane massacre, it's just so cathartic of like a rhythmic moment for the scene to finish on is just Gabriel winging this fucking chair 30 feet across the room. It is truly worth watching the entire movie, regardless of what you think of it, just to really drink that moment in. Um, I feel like I would have loved this to be like a 40 minute short film. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My favorite line in the entire movie um, 
in terms of schlock delivery and in, in overall schlock nature, that still makes me laugh both times, is when the sister has realized what is going on. She knows about Gabriel. She knows that Gabriel's back and feeding on her and blah, blah, blah. She's driving and she's trying to warn Maddie of what's going on. And she goes, Maddie, he was feeding on your fetuses to build himself back up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, that, she, says that, she says that again later oh yeah <laughs> and like that's it's... that's what fucking that's that's what saves the day really it sure it sure also, does. also dude the moment where gabriel leaned over like so gabriel just like hilariously flips this antique wooden desk onto the sister in a way where the sister is leveled by this thing and i was like that's a killer fucking shot and then he's holding a gun at her head, fucking upside. He's hanging upside down. Yeah. It's like the Spider-Man kiss, but yes. with shooting a woman in the head. Amazing. And he pulls the trigger and fucking shoots her in the head. So you think. And I was like, this is a fucking balls out, fucking awesome, like ballsy move for this you movie would, to you make. You would like that. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> it was so dark. And then it was like, just kidding. Now Gabriel's dreaming. And I'm just like, dude, come on. Oh, oh! You, you're gonna fault this movie for not going there. Yeah, in a movie where like he, it tried to have its cake and eat it. In a movie with a woman with a back backwards face spit roasting thirty police officers <laughs> in like tracking shots, like you're watching. Yeah, the but Matrix. at this point, that's fucking commonplace. That's like fucking please every movie, dude. Fucking, I haven't seen anything like that in the quite newest a long time. fucking uh, owl animated fucking owls Whoville movie. Fucking slaughters the, at least fifteen cops. The owls of Gahul? Yeah. What? <laughs> All right, let's move on um, to what our... What did I say? Owls of Hoover. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Put this in the show notes. Put in, the, put in the comments if you understand what Dan ended up I was talking about it. Owls of Gahul. There's no new Owls of Gahul, though, so what are <laughs> you know, talking about? I know, that was the about? joke. Okay, dude. all right. Yeah, it's wor- it's killing. All right, uh, next segment uh, is going to be our top f- 10 favorite twists of all time. Do you have five or 10? I have 11. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, all right. I'll do 11. What's your number 11? Do you have yours in order? I didn't make mine really in order. I was just kind of... Oh, you fucking... I can... Uh, You're the list guy. (laughs) You're seriously going to make a list at with no order? I couldn't decide. Oh, for fuck's sake. fine, fine. And these are not the best, but your favorite. All right. (laughs) These are the ones that work for you the most. Okay. Number 11. All right, 11. The Prestige. Oh, my God. That's so low. Okay. Number 11 for me is this, Malignant. Okay. Uh, number 10 is Titanic. Dan, what, what are you, what are you saying? Because she still had the necklace? Yeah. Jesus. Do you think that's not a potent twist? Are you fucking kidding me? But like, that's not like, who thinks that that's okay. All right. (laughs) You told me to think of movie twists. I I was like, (laughs) such a weird choice. I thought that I was was like, what? That the ship sank? (laughs) Um, are you serious? Um, <laughs> all right. What are we on? Number 10? Yeah. Minority Report. That had a good twist. Oh, okay. Remember that? Vaguely. At the end, they were like, it was actually like um, the old guy. Yeah. And, and Tom Cruise was like, whoa. Yeah, Tom Cruise is super like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. Yeah, no, I, and also love that movie. Yeah, great movie, but like kind of kind of is not aging great should we just like uh, i feel like the top ones are so fucking hacky but like i was like they are I just was everybody try- prepare they're gonna be hacky I was these trying, are our favorite ones i was trying so hard to like be like 
edgy and intellectual. And I was like, no, like these are the best ones. No, these are the ones that just like affected me the most. Okay, so next that's the way I took this exercise. Is like these are the ones that actually got me. Okay, like got me hard. All got right, me. next one, identity. All right, so this is number nine. Yeah, number nine. I have the ring, which like what ha what happened? What the twist is there? In the the ring? twist being she's at the bottom of the well. They do the ritual to say goodbye to her. Okay, the movie is effectively over. Cut to douchebag boyfriend guy at his apartment. TV turns on, water comes out of the TV. Right. Girl climbs out of the TV. That was a twist. Okay. Like, the movie was effectively over. I don't know if you remember that movie. Well, I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, But that is truly the twist in The Ring, is that the whole time you think it's like you listen to the tape and then you kind of just die. Yeah. And that twist is twofold in that a, she's not really dead, but also the way that she's been killing people the entire movie is crawling through their televisions. They don't show that in any other scene in the movie. Um, potent, potent level, 10 out of 10. To the first time I watched in theaters, that girl crawl out of that TV, I shit myself. So Yeah, that movie terrified me in the theaters. It's a great movie. Yeah. Naomi Watts forever. Patron, female yeah. saint. Yeah. Mother sure. Watts. Okay, what did I say? Identity? <laughs> Identity. Number eight. Did you? Is that a good movie? Number eight. Uh, number eight. I have. Uh, is that a good movie? The others. Yeah, for me, the others didn't land just because like they had just done that. Right. With the sixth sense. Right. So I actually saw the others but before I, I saw. The, I saw the others before I saw the sixth sense. Oh, that's insane! Yeah. I can't imagine what that did to the sixth sense. It made it. It made it less awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. See, this is crazy because, like, I was on the forefront of both of those movies. Yeah. I saw but both Sixth of those. Sense in came theaters. out when I was eight. The so others I was busy being eight. The others was one of the best theater experiences I had as a kid. I mean, it scared the fucking that and the haunting, like with Liam Neeson. Yeah. Those were huge in theater movies. Huge. I saw the haunting in theater to see like packed in the nineties. Those yeah. were huge. Um, for me, number eight is Identity. Which like oh you do have identity right, I cool. I love identity I don't know if it's a good movie that's I, I would I, assume it's not yeah and that's the, how I feel a lot of what I was but thinking the about is very memorable with my review of Malignant I kept thinking of identity because identity is a movie entirely built around a slow burn confusing lead up to a twist um anyway yeah interesting yeah number seven um Psycho. Holy shit, that's low. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. For me, it's Frailty with Matthew McConaughey. I, I don't know what that is. Um, one of the best 90s horror movies. Uh, basically, if you haven't seen it, skip 30 seconds ahead because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. No, I just won't say it then. Just It has an incredible twist. that um, It's a movie that's written and directed by Bill Paxton. Uh, starring Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton. Uh, very compelling horror movie from the 90s. Really? Uh, just great. I don't want to say anything about it because the twists in it are so fantastic. Um, just a gem. Frailty. Great. Very underrated classic. Uh, did you do your seven? Yep. All right, six. Um, let the right one in. Always gonna send huge that. shock. Is there a twist in Let the Right One In? Yeah, that that I, they murder everyone. No, there's. I mean, it's a multi-layered twist. That the first aspect of the twist is that 
the adult man that Ellie lives with is not her father, but rather is like her parasitic fucking like boyfriend. Her who familiar. Is, who is just aged for fucking the last 60 years and it does her bidding. Right. And then the last scene, the last shot is the twist that Oscar after like the whole movie shipping itself as being like Ellie saving him from being bullied that Oscar is basically going to spend the rest of his life being the bully victim of Ellie and become the next version of that guy. Not a twist, Dan. That's for sure a twist. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm just going to say this, you're just trying to talk about let the right one in <laughs> and in and, and that all is like plotting. That's not So I had this debate with myself. That's not a twist. Like I had it and I It's clear that her father character is her familiar in vampire terms. Okay. Well, I had I had the moment where I was like, does this count as a twist? And I Googled let the right one in twist. And there's numerous websites. About well, dudes, people are so and stupid. It was even on a list. A it was on a list of top 35 best movie twists of all time. All right. Hit us in the comments, everyone. Does let the right one in, not the American version, have a twist in it? Okay. And is it what Dan is saying? Because I don't think that's a twist. All right. Then I'll. Good thing I made 11. So scrap that one from it. <laughs> I'll go again. All right. Go again. Uh, 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 Primal Fear. With Richard Gere? Wait, what's with, Primal with Fear? With Edward Norton. Oh, Jesus Christ. Edward Norton's first where he's, movie? Where he's... Is this the one where he's pretending to be Southern or yes. pretending to be simple in the head? No, that's that's the um, that's the one with Robert De Niro. This is the one where he's pretending to be Southern. Yeah, and he's yeah. in jail. Yes. and the That's whole... a great movie and a great twist. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. I wouldn't even cross the my The whole mind. movie ships that he's suffering. He's like a Southern ultra-religious good Christian boy that's like suffering from multiple personality disorder. Yes. Um, and then... Richard Gere, right? Yeah, and okay. then Richard Gere fucking buys into it and fucking the whole movie is him being like the one guy who believes him and fucking goes out on a limb for him to get him off. On, like, on that plea of insanity, and then right. it gets revealed that, like, the character, the multiple personality uh, character is actually the real character. Hmm. That's, you didn't have Primal Fear on your list? No. Just didn't, didn't think of it. Uh, love, I, I, love it's a movie Primal I saw Fear. when I was young multiple times on TNT. Like, I would watch it, like, again and again and again. Great movie. You should watch, like, an uncovered. forgot about it. You should watch an uncovered version of that movie. Like, because TNT really fucking... <laughs> Butchers, uh, it butchers there's a, lot, a of, lot of bad language in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's really fucking it's very really, hard F's in that. It's movie. really effective with like Edward Norton's personality changes. <laughs> right, that movie's killer. All right, my number six, I had Old Boy. Yeah, I um, see, so I had, I had, I, I ended up not putting Old Boy on my list, hmm. but that's because, ironically, like. I've seen Old Boy so many times, I don't even think of the ending as a twist at this point. But, like, it for sure is a twist. It's oh, just it, like... When you find out he's been banging his own daughter... Yeah. It, the first yeah. time around, is brutalizing. Yeah, no, it's rough. <laughs> it's a good one. Brutalizing. Yeah. Uh, number five. Um, I'm embarrassed about this one now. <laughs> the Mist. Okay. The... The twist being that everyone kills themselves for no reason. Yeah. But, like, that's a weird twist because it's something that happens five minutes before the twist. Yeah, but it fucking... It's it's gutting. It devastated It's interesting, me. though. It's an interesting twist yeah. because it's not... A traditional twist no. is something that's baking in the oven. Right. Like this malignant and other things that are better. <laughs> um, but uh, th th that twist is questionable to me, but uh, I'll, as I'll allow it. As to whether it's good it. or as to whether it's a twist. It's just a, 
it's just a non-traditional twist, but it's very good. That's for sure a twist. It's though. potent. Yeah, it's incredible. It's a twist, but only, it's a scene to scene twist. Yeah. It's like a it's like a peekaboo who's there moment where it's just like yeah, but and it's a hundred percent like you think the movie's gonna end right one way sure. And, and then, I, I simped for something earlier for that same reasoning, yeah. so that's definitely a twist. Yeah. I'm sure people list it on twist lists constantly. When like, I think it's just weird. When you told me to think of your like, I came up with the obvious ones, and that was in the obvious ones to me. That's like one of the first I always think about. Right. Um, five for me, I put Saw because the first time. Wait, we're at four. We have to be at four. We're at five. Remember you did the extra one. I lost one. Okay. Um, I put saw because like while it's silly. Yeah, but then I went again, now, so we had to go down. Another. So do you? Should I just get rid of one of mine? Is that what you're saying? No, two, two in a row. I <laughs> fucked up. Okay. Um, saw uh, potent at the first time I saw it. Like was definitely like holy shit. Okay. When that motherfucker's like game over, I'm like whoa, and my dad was like whoa, because my dad had taken me to his rated R. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody was like, and and we all I should have been using that sample this whole episode because that's Jake's yeah. song. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one I have to do in a row uh, is number four seven, um, which this is kind of a moment to moment twist as well, um, because yeah. the head in the box right. is telegraphed from like. 10 to 15 minutes before. Yeah. Whereas like the twist is not that her head was in the box the whole movie like Saul. And like yeah. Morgan Freeman was carrying around a box for two and a half hours right. and it was like, what's in this box? And it's Falter's <laughs> <laughs> face. Yeah. Um, but it's a twist and it it surely the first time I saw it I was like, oh God, oh God, no. And like did a lot of screaming and mm. internalizing. Um, what about you? These days, you fucking wish you could get Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. You know what I'm saying? Jesus Christ. We can buy her box and a candle. I know. <laughs> Goop. Hey. Uh, what are we up to? Number three? Um, Number three. No, you're on number four. I still I have three left. This is what we just did two in a row, Dan. I did. I did. I did uh, seven and, and I did and I did saw. So I have to do number three now. So you have four so three left. three in a row. You have four left? I have three left. Okay. So we're at number three. Number three. Okay. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, number three, we're going to go with Fight Club. Okay. Fine. Okay. Everyone knows. I did not put Fight Club on this list. Really? Because me and Fight Club don't have a good relationship right now. Oh. I'm at the point where I'm scared to rewatch Fight Club. Because When's the last time you watched it? Like, probably six years ago. Okay. It's been a while. Do you own it? I've owned it many times over many different formats. I'm not sure wh if I do own it, what it would be in now. No, maybe not. Remind me next time. I got the Blu-ray. Clearly, Fight Club is my favorite movie of all time for many years after it had come out. Like any male from that period of time yeah. resonated with me very deeply, but I'm scared to rewatch it for a variety of reasons. But, I mean, the twist, yeah, sure. I rewatched it, like, over the pandemic. It fucked me up pretty bad. It's It's... Does it still bang? I'm afraid that all the like David Fincher early CGI shit is gonna make me want to die. There's in the bullet time titty shot. Yes, um, <laughs> that I'd say is the only scene that looks really dated. The bullet time titty shot. Yeah, yeah, that's that looked dated when it came. Yeah, out. Yeah, um, no, Fight Club <laughs> still fucking rules. Okay, I mean I'm sure it does. I'm not here to say it's gonna yeah. be bad. I just I'm scared. <laughs> and yeah, all right, all right. Number three. What did you say when I said Fight Club? The Prestige. Okay. Because it's a double. It's yeah. not a double. It's a twin. Um, yeah, that was a that was a movie that like the first like I love the Prestige. It's He's got a double. It's in my top of his movies. <laughs> yeah. And 
That twist is fire. I loved. I. It's a. It's a solid twist, but I definitely like left the theater being like. That was kind of fucking stupid. No. <laughs> Why are you running? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't agree. Okay. I. I was like, God damn, dude. He had a mustache on and was there the whole time. <laughs> and I was dumb enough to fall for it. That's right. fucking incredible. Okay. Number two. Two, Psycho. Okay. That's reasonable. I, um... This is going to be something epically stupid, isn't it? It's like mall rats. No, I mean, Psycho is a classic twist, but, you know, <laughs> I feel like... I tried to not look through it through, like, rose-colored glasses and, like... Matrix Reloaded? No. Um, Memento. What exactly is the twist of Memento again? Uh, the twist is that it turns out that he's the one who killed his wife. He just doesn't remember. Man, I gotta rewatch that. And like that Joe Pant Liano, dude. Yeah, you do. It's been a long time. Been well, a long time. Well, did, I, I don't even remember him having a murdered wife. I just kind of remember it being him sitting at a hotel for two hours, a motel for two hours, while time moved backwards, and he had tattoos that like were clues because he had like brain retardism. See if I had known that you. <laughs> hadn't watched it in a while i wouldn't have just told you the twist i haven't watched it in probably 15 years memento um easily i probably haven't watched it in like five years but it super holds up i'm sure and <laughs> the twist is fire like all of christopher nolan's movies with except for dunkirk it's fire and tenet and just dunkirk by itself and uh inception's not so great inception is flawed <laughs> all of his movies are flawed arguably <laughs> <laughs> in one way or another. Um, number one. Usual suspects. I put the sixth sense because I saw... You don't have the usual suspects on your list? I don't support pedophilia. Oh, fuck. I'm not going to talk about Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey <laughs> making a movie together in 2021, Dan. That's fucking stupid, honestly. Was that tone deaf? Stop the bus and stop the damn bus. We're not doing that on this pod, bruh. Was that tone deaf? That was very tone deaf. You shouldn't be holding up that man's work. He's a piece of shit. You Hey, man. You told me you loved X-Men 2, X-Men United 2. What? Also directed by Brian I didn't Singer. say that. Yeah, you said that to me right before we started recording today. How fucking dare you? <laughs> I would never say that. Why are you running? I watched that movie one time and it was in jail and I hated it. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck the police! Um, and uh, yeah, so that's my number one. When I saw it when I was a kid, it, it horrified me to no end that Bruce Willis was dead. It was truly leveling on so many levels i was the same age as cole the character bruce willis felt very dadly to me at that point in the early ish to mid late 90s yeah, i mean you know whole nine yards and all it was really an affecting experience and my boy m knight as we've talked about many times is incapable of error so i had to give him the number one <laughs> yeah you want to talk about someone whose work you shouldn't hold up anyway <laughs> I mean, and you're, you're comparing him to literal pedophiles, dude. <laughs> it's he just he made a couple bad movies, all right. He's, I saw he's never diddled anyone. He made an entire movie about how he's a superhero. <laughs> that is irresponsible. I won't lie. <laughs> uh, check out the buried secret of M Night Shyamalan episode. All right, you ready to do the re fucking rental meter, and then we're done. Yeah. All right. Um, so the rental meter, uh, we're gonna hear from people from the movie Blues Rental Zone um, about their opinions of this movie, and then Dan is gonna do some math or something about oh, figuring God. out uh, okay. how we do this um i gave it an eight you gave it a 6.5 eight and a 6.5 and here's the list let me rip it off of my notes for you this is the 
The ceremonial ripping. Yeah, it's like the Afikomen. Yeah, it's like this is the Afikomen portion of the podcast for all you heebs out there listening. All right, Dan. Here's the scores. And now I'm going to read some of our user reviews. Okay, so um, first, let's, uh, with our scores added to it, talk about what the official rental zone rental meter is uh score for malignant okay so this is with uh the caveat that we had a smaller sample size of data this time which makes outliers much more impactful mm. um so malignant per the rental zone got a 5.9 mm. fuck that's terrible <laughs> god damn it dude <laughs> mission failed We'll get next time. Uh, starting with Greg Larry, who gave it a one. Did he write a review? He did. Um, wow. And um, Are you going to read it? That's what we do here, Dan. Great. Um, he gave it a one, which fucked up the entire score of a fucking genius auteur horror experience. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> that's bait. Um, uh, Greg Larry, the script and acting was so ridiculously painful don't be that guy go on that's your mo dude don't tell me to not be that guy go, yeah but grammar I, is your fucking mo yeah. don't tell me to not be that but guy. i agree with this person so oh my god it you're, doesn't, he you're fits so my narrative tra- you're so transparent with your narrative hate it yeah i literally just said it <laughs> the script and acting was so ridiculously painful to sit through if that's the type of horror Juan was going for here then he knocked it out of the park one well boing all right, that's Spoiling tough. That's noise. tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a rough one. Because he was, it seems. That's clearly what he was doing. Um, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Kaylee Kluge? Uh, Klug. Kaylee. Oh, that's, wow. Okay, I wasn't too far that's a That's a college friend of mine. Kaylee Klug. It's very like... Um, I think she's Brazilian. It's very A24 sounding. Anyway, Kaylee Klug says... <laughs> The Movie Blues podcast. Oh, shit. Oh, I guess I didn't need to copy and paste that part. <laughs> I pirated it the weekend it came out. Don't need to mention that part either. I have not read this yet <laughs> either. That's something fun I'm doing for these is I'm okay. not reading them. I read this one. I pirated it the weekend it came out. Okay. So my memory is rusty. That's I, Kaylee Klug. I don't know. She what, pirated it. It is Kaylee Klug. <laughs> <laughs> She's a pirate Um, from Sweden. Um. <laughs> Clearly, Kugi. Um, it felt okay. Oh, this is the one that pissed you off. What? Um, but I, I do love. I pirated it, so my memory is rusty. Like, why do you think it pissed wh- me off? But why? Like, why is it any more difficult to remember because you stole it? I don't know. Um, uh, she's I, emphasizing that it wasn't worth her money. It felt more like a slow burn horror in the beginning, which All I right. appreciate. I also enjoyed the way it was shot. Same. However. I started to literally laugh, in all caps, when I saw the embodiment of her twin and the way he cracked his body all backwards like and started chasing her. At that point, the film lost all sense of horror for me. I don't know. I could see how people would still enjoy it, but it felt too satirical for me to take seriously. I mean, that was the point. Six out of ten. Still an okay movie. Yeah, I mean, that's that was my whole thing the entire time that we were discussing it is that it can be successful in achieving what it wants and that success not be enjoyable to bear witness to sure that's the case with many movies i've <laughs> yeah. seen yeah. i recently watched a movie called mass which is just four characters who the one parents 
son murdered the other one in a school shooting, sit in a church and have a conversation for an hour and a half. And it's like, yeah, this movie... That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, this movie achieved, like, many things, but, like, ultimately it holds no value to me. I didn't want to see these people have this conversation. It's very much talking points, and it's, like, probably how you felt watching Don't Look Up. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, is it about, like, gun laws? Oh, it comes into it. For sure. It gets weird. Maybe um, we should... Let's watch that movie. Like, I already watch did. watch that movie for the podcast? No. I mean, ugh, it's so boring. We should invite Josh Boyer on to talk about it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Then it would be fun. <laughs> um, okay. I love how your fucking mascot is that fire-ass fucking statue, and I have a cartoon of Silent Bob from the Clerks cartoon. That's not bad, though. Your mascot's not bad. It's pretty cool. It's well done. It's like, it looks cool. It looks just like the cartoon. It's pretty cool. Mine's a Funko Pop. That's pathetic. Is that a Funko Pop? Yeah, it's an alien, uh, Aliens Queen Funko Pop. That's a killer Funko Pop. I know. I told you, the ones that I buy, I've bought maybe three of them. They're all flames. I only have one, and it's Bob Ross. You saw the one from Starship Troopers. It's behind you all the way on the bottom rack. That's a Funko Pop. That thing is incredible. To the left, bottom rack, bottom right of that rack. The tank bug from Starship Troopers. Um, That's wild. Adam Weller. Uh, a strong third act doesn't make up for the by-the-numbers opening hour of the film. Yep. Like you could resonate with that. Although the dichotomy of bland to bonkers is pretty spectacular. I like that take. Yeah. It's well-worded. I liked uh, how... Every... Six out of ten, he said. Fair. I liked how every review I read used the word bonkers. I've never seen bonkers used so in earnestly throughout, like, film criticism. Now, I haven't fully read through Andre's comment. I don't know if I even... I just Don't read... read it before you read it. Oh, oh. Uh, Andre, um, sometimes our best friend, sometimes our worst enemy. It depends who we are and when it is. But um, Andre, I'm 100%, I think, with what he's going for here. A very refreshingly bonkers and gruesome horror movie actually manages to be a good approximation of Giallo by being almost unwatchably tedious for most of its far too long runtime, but does a good job channeling some of the wilder J-horror classics. An easy movie to overrate because the state of horror as a genre is so dire. Wow, that touches on so many things we talked about today. Um, and may play into why I like it so much, because I've had to watch such like middle-of-the-road horror movies lately, like right. Antlers was just did nothing for me. Um, an easy movie to overrate because the state of horror as a genre is so dire, but probably deserves a spot among the very few good American horror movies of the past 10 years. Agreed. The Empty Man, Lords of Salem, Alone, and The Evil Dead remake. Agreed about all those except for Lords of Salem is fucking terrible. Yeah. I don't know what he's on did about you, with did that. You, did you see that? He was like, yeah, you need to have a high IQ to understand Lords of Salem. Like, I, I need did to Did you try see that again, conversation maybe? continue? Because For a little bit. Lords of Salem is the number one movie I hate the most in the world. Like, like Yeah, I didn't get it. If really, I had to make I guess. like in earnestly, <laughs> if I had to make a mo- list of movies that like upset me the most when I saw them. Without question, Lords of Salem's number one. Like, I hate that movie to my core. And Andre made his little Rick and Morty joke about you needing a high IQ. Right. And then he said something. (laughs) God, I almost want to pause it and go on Facebook. Um, He said something that fucking rattled me. Do you want to look it up? Yeah, pause. (laughs) All right. So Andre said, uh, to be fair, you have to have a very high IQ. To understand Lords of Salem. And I said, I guess you got to call me Sling Blade. Because uh-huh. that movie's ass. Because you're a retard. Yeah. And he said, uh, I think of you more of, of, a, of a Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Oh, yeah. I saw that. 
<laughs> not that harmed me. But did he think that then I was talking because then it was under the Movie Blues podcast handle? I don't know, but I'm trying to do that a little bit more. More at five. What, be under the handle? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Get ready, Reynolds Zone. I'm trying to- I'm going to uh, start seeming real irrational to you guys. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to elevate get, our brand. Get ready for better analogies. That's right. From the maker of the ones from the Matrix episode. Um, final- You really hung up on the one time that I told you it was a bad analogy that F- you made. You've pointed that out. One time is the biggest understatement in <laughs> history, Dan, but okay. Um, Sam Hutchinson, um, Dan. Patron saint of my fantasy football, fantasy Dan, baseball Dan league. Big fan. Um, straight up, unforgettably unique horror flick, dime a dozen, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, huh? <laughs> All right. That might be a little too steep for even me, but it's interesting to see the other aisle. Wait, that, that neither Dan or I are. You didn't put that score on here. So maybe he just put it in the comment. So that would have balanced out the one, bro. You fucking blew it. That's not an official vote, dude. You bl- Sam, you Sam, blew it. You blew the reputation of this movie in the rental zone forever. That would have dude. Dude, 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 <laughs> you would have been firmly in seven territory. I know dude. that's where this movie surely belongs, but you guys got to vote. Right. You would have been right around like a six point five. We may need to look this up afterwards and fix it as well, but we'll see. <laughs> Sam, you fucking blew it, dude. Dan, we got a couple weeks off coming up. I got some stuff to do. I'm sure you have something to do. I'm going on you, vacation. You don't want. Oh, yeah. And then. um when we come back at some point, maybe next month after these episodes come out, we'll do Dear Evan Hansen, our first. So then we can have back to back episodes that no one listens to. Oh, that one! That one will be our beginning of our little Italy warm up for this season. Okay, that's going to be like where things are really going to start getting interesting. We've been really low balling it with these first three, just getting in the groove. <laughs> low balling it, <laughs> like we haven't watched any trash. I would argue all three movies we've watched so far have a filmmaker behind them, have like reason to exist, aren't tremendous ego fails. Um, maybe this one arguably yeah, I f- I, is an ego I, fail. I feel like what I watched last night was both trash and an ego fail. Um, but not not like rancid. Yeah, not like... Yeah. You gave it a six or something, right? 6.5, so like it's not that bad. Yeah, I gave Little Italy a fucking eight. Well, that's because we love it. <laughs> <laughs> but not for the right reasons. Yeah, what I need is like some Little Italy duets type fucking chaos in my life. But can you give me a baby with little pterodactyl arms on its back? <laughs> baby. 